Welcome to Boomeranging, from expat to repat, a podcast that explores the question, what could be so hard about returning home after years living overseas? I'm your host, Margot Anderson, and in each episode, I will sit down with a former Aussie expat to discuss how they survived repatriation and reverse culture shock, how they navigated the logistics of careers, friends, and family to successfully find their new place at home, and all without losing their global spirit. If you have just returned home, are thinking about it, or just love a good yarn told by professional globetrotters, then I have no doubt you'll enjoy meeting this diverse group of Australians. Coming home for most expats is a well-thought-out decision made over months and even years of planning. But in 2020, COVID forced thousands of expats into decisions not in their five-year plan, and with it, a rethink of both life and career goals. Bridget John was visiting family in Melbourne when COVID struck. She decided to wait out the pandemic before returning to her life in Marrakesh. A few months has now turned into a year and Bridget has had to pivot not just to her life but also her business and learn how to pack up a house in Morocco remotely while doing this. As a global nomad, Bridget has built her life and career across three countries, France, Morocco and Australia. What I'm keen to hear from Bridget today is how she has managed being stranded in one place here at home and has it forced her to rethink her globally nomadic life. So welcome, Bridget. Hi, Marco. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Pleasure to have you. Now, where are we chatting with you today? Yeah, so I'm, um, I'm in Fitzroy in Melbourne in my apartment. Um, yeah, where I've spent a lot of time over the last 12 months. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine, I can imagine. Um, so it really, just to take us back, I guess, before your global adventure, sort of six years ago, you set out for France. Can you talk us through what life looked like for you before you headed away? And, and were there any early influences that made you seek out a life abroad? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm in my 30s now. And so my experience abroad in my 30s was quite different to my experiences abroad when I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. So I think I've always had um, a career and travels and adventures happening throughout my life. You know, as a kid, we moved to the UK for a couple of years when I was quite young. Oh, fantastic. With my family. Yeah, we moved around quite a lot, actually. And I I really do feel like those younger years of my life uh, set me up with a I guess a, a thirst for travel and for mm-hmm. being in new environments and and making things work. So that was from a very young age. And then at 21, I packed up and moved to the UK again as an Aussie living in London. So okay. I've done this a few times now. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I was working in my field at the time and was travelling a lot for work and um, also doing backpacking summers and working in the Greek islands in bars and doing all that type of thing. So that was in my 20s. And then. Um, yeah, I worked in the fashion industry for 10 years. I came back to Australia and, and travel's always been a part of my job, I guess. And um, mm-hmm. when I started with Quicksilver nearly 10 years ago now, actually, I was looking after Asia Pacific for my job from Australia. So again, traveling a lot through Asia and 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 dealing with that in my career. So by the time I, I moved to France about six years ago, yeah, travel as part of my job and my lifestyle was, yeah, it was it was ingrained. Um, and yeah. yeah, so that took me to this to this latest chapter. <laughs> yeah, so lots of early seeds that were planted, really. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you initially relocated with Quicksilver to work on some global projects at mm. the time. Um, 
before, I guess, really embarking upon a career change, which you actually did from abroad. Can you talk us through, I guess, how what you were doing firstly with Quicksilver up there and then I guess how this career change unfolded? Yeah, sure. So I, uh, I managed the trade marketing team globally um, with Quicksilver, Roxy and DC Shoes. Um, so, yeah, I worked mm-hmm. for the company back in Australia and, um, you know, the company at the time was going through a, a big amount of change where everything was managed quite regionally and we went through quite a big organisational change where everything started to be very global. Um, so there was quite a few of us actually that moved at the same time um, in the global marketing department, um, people from the US, mm-hmm. from Europe, from Australia, from all over the place that all kind of moved to this one global head office over in France in the Basque Coast um, where we were managing the three brands from. So I moved at the time when a lot of people moved over and we were working on you know, global efficiency programs, um, working on how the brand was being executed across you know, all the different regions and how we're localising and, yeah. and, yeah, just a, a really global approach to how we were approaching the brand. So, yeah, it was a great time to be moving across with a whole heap of other people at the same time. Yeah. It must have been fun. It was. Yeah, we had a good time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So then you decide, I think I'm going to embark upon a career change. Talk us through how that unfolded and I guess what that actually looks like or looks like at the time. Well, my, my professional career spanned, I guess, over 15 years in fashion and, and, and retailing and marketing. Um, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of Australian fashion brands prior to going into the surf industry and um, yeah, the, the lifestyle I was living while I was over in, in Europe was great. You know, you're off on adventures every other weekend. And for me, that included a couple of trips to Morocco mm-hmm. that I fell in love with. <laughs> yeah. So I still had this corporate career going, but I also had this thing in the back of my mind, I guess, that eventually in my career path, I would start my own thing that, um, you know, the, that whole laptop lifestyle was kind of starting to take off and people were starting to create businesses and consultancies and all sorts of things while they were yeah. traveling. And that really appealed to me. Um, so I guess I got to a point in my, in my life and my career where I was like, I felt like it was, it was time for the next thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I left that job at the time and I was coming home to Australia. I didn't want to come back to nothing. So I went via Morocco and I have this love for textiles and, and, and beautiful, picking up beautiful things along your way on your travels. And um, I bought a small collection of, of carpets from the souk in Marrakesh. Oh, and fabulous. I brought them home with me on that first trip back home when I, when I was returning from France and started my own business. And that was my way, I mm-hmm. guess, to keep myself busy when I got home um, and, mm-hmm. and setting up my online store and, and I started doing some consulting on the side, some brand consulting and, and, and building this other business at the same time. So it was, it was a, long, a long time coming, I guess, and it was the situation yeah. and the time that I was in that really um, pushed this new venture forward and this sort of new chapter of my life, I guess. Fabulous. So you actually returned to Australia, but then you kind of went, oh, I don't know that I want to be permanently based here. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I think like anybody that's returned to Australia a few times or (laughs) tried to return, your life has changed. Your life moves on. Um, You've got friends, you've got a lifestyle that you become used to and that you enjoy while you're away. And then you get back to Australia and or, you know, wherever you're from and, you know, everyone's still in the same routines. It's like a bit of a time mm-hmm. warp. Um, you get back, your friends have had more children, your family's gotten bigger yeah. or smaller, you know. <laughs> People might have yeah. died or whatever. It's like it's a bit of a time warp of getting back to your old life. And I think yeah. for me um, 
yeah, that lifestyle that I'd been living, I wanted to continue it. I just didn't know how to do it. It was it was a new way of doing it without being employed. I was yeah. essentially my own employer and allowing myself to to get back on the road and do these things. And I guess I never really set out to move back overseas permanently. It was just I was able to. I was freelancing. It evolved. It evolved, yeah. And so I guess we are hearing more and more about the global nomad lifestyle. I'm I'm really interested in how you make that work. Yeah. I mean, it sounds <laughs> wonderful being across three countries, but like what does how do you manage your time or split your time? What does that look like for you? Or what did it look like for you pre-pandemic? Yeah, sure. So I guess the last four or five years have really like I guess that word evolve continues. It was it was never the plan to mm-hmm. to live life like that. But I guess as you set off and you start working out ways of being able to work from the road. Um, I've been single for the last, you know, however many years. So it's quite easy to pick yourself up and move yourself to to different mm-hmm. parts of the world and and to wherever your friends are. You know, if you've got friends that are hanging out in Barcelona for the weekend, okay, I can be there. I can I can get myself an Airbnb for the month. Yeah. I can set myself up. I can still do my work. I can catch up with friends. I can jump on a train back to Biritz where I used to live. I can jump on a plane over to over to Marrakesh to do my work over there. And it just I guess when we talk a little bit about being in flow, for me when I was travelling and I was on the road like this, it just flowed. And, um, you know, I was working with my clients over, you know, technology is amazing. You can you can still do your work. I can still sit yeah. there with my laptop and write a strategy for someone. I can still catch up with them on Zoom. Um, and yeah. I was managing my business from wherever I was. And then I guess the coming back to Australia each year, um, was the plan to come back for Christmas and come and spend some time over summer and catch up with friends and family and then hit the road and go back to Europe again. And it just, over the next couple of years, um, yeah, it just ended up being this lifestyle where I was kind of location independent. It was a bit of a buzzword, yeah. I guess, but it was true for that couple of years um, without even meaning to. It just ended up being this transient lifestyle. And so you would come back too, though, and you would bring stock back, didn't you? You'd come back and do like pop-up stores here. So you yeah. were building a presence and a clientele here. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of my clients were New Val Nomad, which was um, the, the brand I started while I was in Morocco. Um, a lot of my clients were actually Australian. So I was essentially mm-hmm. um, buying wholesale products and, and sourcing for people and selling to clients back in Australia and worldwide. Um, and so when I would come back to Australia, each year, um, yeah, it was just a really great opportunity to do a pop-up for the brand and um, get a bit of the brand out there and, and meet people and for clients to come and visit me and, and see the product. And um, yeah, amazing. yeah, so I'd come back and, and do that each year. And it was, it was a great way of keeping myself, you know, busy and um, having great people around me while I was back in Australia. And yeah. then, right, close up the pop-up and off I go again. So, yeah, it was a great, yeah, yeah. It was a great way. Great experience. Yeah. You're certainly busy with two, two brands, you know, two two sort of lines of work, um, you know, with your, with your brand consulting as well as the, um, the, the rugs. Um, so you love a challenge, clearly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I think the variety in being able to have those two fields of work um, you know, sometimes um, my my brand business would take over and, you know, take over seven yeah. days of my week and at other times I've got a big client job on and so that would take over a big chunk of my week. And then there was other times, mm. which I think is really important as well, that when you're on the road that you have time to explore and you're not working because mm. I think yeah, absolutely. getting that balance right between, you know, the time of when you are sitting down and concentrating and working on your client projects 
Whereas when you're out in the world and you want to be seeing as much as you can and enjoying your friends and, and getting on planes and trains yeah. and whatever, um, you want to be able to allocate the time to it and not feel as though you're constantly trying to find Wi-Fi or, um, yeah. you know, having to be on yeah, a important call. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's finding a balance. So was returning to live more permanently in Australia ever on your radar or were you at the time pre-pandemic thinking actually <laughs> I could continue this for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, my family and all my friends are in Melbourne. So Melbourne was always going to be a part of my life. Um, but I had, yeah. I guess after a couple of years of this nomadic lifestyle, I had decided it can be, get a little bit exhausting and um, mm. you know, this constant moving you do crave a little bit of um, stability and being stable and having, you know, a permanent home set up with your nice things mm -hmm. around you and all that type of thing. So by 2019, mm -hmm. I'd been on the road for a couple of years and I'd done, you know, different stints in Australia and, and in Morocco. And I decided finally that actually Marrakesh was where I wanted to be. So nice and close to my friends in Europe. Yeah. And I was going to set up a home in Marrakesh <laughs> and I'd <laughs> done that in 2019 and I'd just found this beautiful apartment. Mm. I'd spent months and months looking for this perfect apartment actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've just had all my furniture built. Um, you know, I've set up so many homes around the world having to use Ikea furniture yeah. at this time. I was not using Ikea. There's only one Ikea. It was like in Casablanca <laughs> and I wasn't going to Ikea. I was using all the local furniture makers and, Amazing. Um, you know, buying beautiful handmade things for the house and, um, you know, really wanted to set up a space where my friends could come and visit and stay and, um, you know, I had this constant stream of visitors booked in to come and visit me over the next year. My parents mm. were coming, I had friends from France coming, I had friends from Australia coming. And um, so I'd kind of been on that process through 2019 and I was happy. I was just like, right, I've got it all set up. Yeah. This is what I've been working towards for the last few years and um, we're we're ready to roll. This is great. And it was almost like something was telling me to go home to Australia for a bit. I had this feeling that I wasn't going to get back to Australia for a while. So I was like, right, I'm just going to book a little flight home, yep. go home for a couple of weeks, see everyone, catch up with family and friends, and then get back to my life in Morocco. Um, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> Yeah, so that was, what, about February last year? Yeah, exactly. Popped home for two weeks. Popped home yeah. for two weeks. So, <laughs> so when did you start thinking that co the COVID disruption would be more than just a few months? Yeah, I think it was pretty apparent pretty quickly. Um, and I think for anybody that is quite globally minded, you know, anyone that does have friends in Europe and Asia and around mm. the world, you know, the commentary coming out of all these different countries was obviously quite different to what we were hearing about just mm -hmm. in Australia. So if you're really well connected to people around the world, it was we were starting to hear quite a bit of what was happening. Yeah. Um, Morocco was one of the countries to shut down very, very quickly, actually shut down their borders mm -hmm. and go into lockdowns very quickly. It was one of the first countries to do so, I think. So, um, mm. so what was happening in Australia was very far behind what was happening in these other countries that were starting to um, really take big precautions and, and a lot of the, the conversations around what was happening. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty quick that I realised, oh, I better put off this flight back and just wait yeah. and see what happens here. Yeah. Yeah, and it's hard, isn't it, because you kind of go, well, do I live my life in three-month chunks and then see what happens or am I putting together a year-long plan? I mean, I'm sure that must have been the challenge of navigating the unknown Absolutely. Um, whilst you've still got a home and a base up in uh, in Marrakesh. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate that I was in a place where um, the pandemic hasn't kicked off. That's absolutely yeah. something that runs through my, my mind all the time. 
but also in a place where I had family and friends to stay with. So um, luckily I obviously had my parents that I could bunker down with for that first lockdown that we all went through. And um, so that three-month period then was really a time of like, right, what am I doing? <laughs> am I going yeah. back? Am I staying? What's happening? Because it's really hard to, like you said, like whether it's three-month chunks that you're trying to organise your life in or whether it's one year in advance. I couldn't I couldn't even think into next week, let alone three months. Yeah. And it's like, right, do I go back to my home? Do I stay? Can I even get on a plane at the moment? Do I want to be getting on a plane when we're in the middle of a global health crisis? Australia's a pretty good place to be. So, of course, by the end, the, the decision to stay put was obviously an easy one with everything going on. Um, it was The decision was made for me. <laughs> yeah. At what point did you pack up or decide to pack up your house, though, in Morocco? Yeah. So um, after we came out of that first lockdown, um, it was pretty clear I was sticking around. So I ended up getting an apartment up in Melbourne. And I was like, yeah, right, okay. I'm, just, I'm going to stick it out. Um, go get myself an apartment and I think I had in the back of my mind as well if we get locked down again I adore my parents but I can't do another three-month lockdown with my parents <laughs> you can zoom them this, this time <laughs> so um, I love it. went and got my apartment up in Melbourne and at that point I was like right well I'm investing in getting myself set back up here again now I'm not getting back to Marrakesh mm. anytime soon. And luckily I have some beautiful friends over there that were able to help me pack down my apartment and, and get everything into storage. So, yeah, I've got a, you know, a brilliant network of people over there. Mm. A lot of them were doing it really tough. You know, I've got a lot of single girlfriends around the world who mm. have all been stuck in really tricky situations throughout this pandemic. You know, a lot of them live by themselves. They went into like a solid three-month lockdown in, in Marrakesh with the military out in the street. You know, you have to have a permit to leave your home. And so for me, staying in contact with these girls and my friends and, um, you know, some of my Moroccan friends who had moved back in with parents or, or whatever to get through that first lockdown, um, yeah, I was very aware of what was happening in the rest of the world. So for me, I, I was just feeling quite grateful actually to be where I was and, and lucky to be home. And so by that stage it was like, yeah. well, there's no point paying rent on two sides of the world. I've got to pack up one. And it's not going to be this one. So, so when when you look back, I guess on the first sort of six months or so of last year that you were home, what did you find the most challenging, surprising, oh, and interesting about yeah. being back home? I mean, take out the pandemic, <laughs> but you know, being back. It's a oh, I don't know, that's a hard one to answer because in Melbourne, obviously, like like you were as well, much of our year was in lockdown and. For me, being back in Australia, but two hours away from where my parents live, I was back in Australia, but I couldn't see anyone. It was just bizarre. Mm. It was it was a quite a strange mm. time. Um, and for me, obviously, the business had stopped. Morocco was in lockdown. Australia couldn't get anything into the country for a little while there. So my import-export kind of activities had stopped. Um, mm -hmm. So I was a little bit treading water for a little bit there, like, oh, God, what do I do next with the business? What do I do with, do I try and pick up some client work? No one's taking on client work at, in the middle of a pandemic. No. So, yeah, everything was up in the air. And so um, I don't know, I wasn't catching up with friends. It was it was really a time of massive um, a, a chance to just sit still, wasn't it? And mm. I don't know. I, I can't. Yeah, it's a. I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah, a very surreal time. And I think it's interesting because a couple of the challenges that people have found in coming back is, you know, I mean, when we return home, it's all about reconnecting. But how do we reconnect when we can't mm. actually go and see anyone or catch up or go and have a beer with someone or a, you know, a cocktail somewhere? Um, everything is remote and mm -hmm. so it's it's a very strange time and slowed time 
Um, I mean, I'm interested because, as I said, we are hearing, you know, we were hearing a lot more about this um, global nomad life. How do you think the pandemic has changed or shifted the perspective, particularly for the growing number of digital nomads? Massively, I think. Um, I think everyone's priorities have changed in the last year. Um, I don't know. I know personally I'm um, very grateful to be an Australian citizen. I think what we've been mm. through here, although it's been tough, um, what an amazing place to be in right now, um, fairly COVID-free. Um, yeah, we've done some tough lockdowns, but we're not battling with the same health crisis that they are in Europe at the moment or the UK or, you know, in other parts of the world that have mm. really battled. Um, so I think, you know, I think it will make people rethink how they move between countries. And I think there's a sense of um, responsibility too that needs to come from this. You know, um, mm. we're so lucky with our Australian passports that we can go to so many countries and be welcomed. And, um, you know, not everyone has that privilege. And I think we've, not, we've got to be really mindful of, of how we travel over the next few years of how, you know, other other communities health systems are set up you know are we are we contributing to a community that we're heading into or are we getting in the way of a community and yeah. so I think then it does need to be a bit of a rethink about how people are moving around the world yeah and why absolutely yeah but I think you know once the world opens up I don't think it's going to stop people from traveling maybe less people will be doing less short trips and I don't know potentially doing longer more meaningful trips you know um and having yeah. a reason to be somewhere rather than just flying off on a two-week holiday, um, you know, particularly if there's quarantines involved and that type of thing. Maybe, you know, travel in the future will end up being longer stints of travel with more meaningful reasons to be somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. I think every, every facet mm. of life is going to be reshaped in some way, isn't it? So... Whilst um, the last 12 months, I guess, have been enormously challenging for those returning, I mean, you've risen to the challenge in building the Nouveau Nomad brand here in Australia. Can you share a little bit about how you've done that and what you've done, um, and especially amidst a, a lockdown or a hard lockdown in Melbourne? Yeah. <laughs> I find it very hard to sit still. Yeah. So if I'm not working on something, the next thing, I go crazy. So for me, I guess, like I was saying before, the, the world was really closed down at the start of last year. So the business kind of stopped for me. So I needed, like everybody did, to rethink how I was doing business and why I was doing business and um, who I was doing business with, essentially. So for me, I picked up a couple of local um, consulting clients while I was here in Australia, which has been great. So mm -hmm. you know, lucky me, get to work from my laptop wherever I am. So lockdown was okay. I was able to continue working. But then with Nouvelle Nomad, um, I guess... The biggest thing that I was missing was my life in Marrakesh, you know, the the days that I would go out into the mm. soups and I would catch up with my suppliers and my friends and I'd be drinking mint tea and I'd be on a rooftop and then I'd <laughs> be heading out to the desert or whatever. Like yeah. I, I miss this stuff so much. It's just you take it for granted. And then so yeah. for me um, the solution to me bringing the business back to Australia was getting a lot of my stock that I house in Morocco sent over to Australia. So that took months to get it all here mm. um, and I decided that if I'm sitting in Melbourne for a while I may as well open a pop-up so most of my other pop-ups each year had been sort of six weeks when I'd been back this time I took on a six-month lease and that was my solution to mm -hmm. staying busy and creating a space and it was I guess my little bit of Marrakesh in Melbourne so um, I've had the the pop-up open for the last six months and it's attracted this really beautiful flow of people into the store who have either 
missed out on a couple of trips over the last year. So I've had so many people come in and say that they had Morocco on their itinerary. They'd booked their flights and everything ready to go and then COVID hit and they've had to cancel all their plans but they're dying to get back. Yeah. And so I've had this beautiful flow of people who have wanted to talk about travels, adventures, um, and all these things that we can't wait to yeah. get back to. And, you know, my days overseas are spent chatting to people about creative projects and, you know, other entrepreneurs that are travelling or, um, you know, all the suppliers in Morocco and I sit there and drink tea all day while we're looking through rugs. Like it's my most favourite thing to do. And I've been able to continue doing that just through this space. Um, it's actually my last weekend this weekend as we're talking. Um, I've had the, the shop open for six months now. Right. I opened it. Um, I took the lease in the middle of the Melbourne lockdown, the, the second stage four heavy lockdown. Um, yes. And, and opened it six weeks later just as we were coming out of that October lockdown. So I've had it open since then. And so this, this last mm-hmm. weekend is my last weekend of having it open. I'm shutting it down and just going back to online again after this weekend. So, um, yeah, okay. yeah it's, I can't even believe it's been six months. <laughs> I know. But also I think just the it does re, it's a great reminder too around the value of connection and human Absolutely. face-to-face connection, isn't it? And being able to share those stories and those travel components. And, I mean, timing-wise, people haven't gone on holidays. Absolutely. They've been looking at their homes and how they decorate their homes. So I'm sure that's played into, into your business as well. Yeah, it has. Yeah. And so the new Nomads is your um, brand consulting business. Yeah. So just a quick snapshot of the types of businesses that you work with and, and I guess that will be a focus for you in the coming months. Yeah, absolutely. So mm. um, so I essentially work with uh, travel, lifestyle, fashion brands um, on strategy really. Um, mm-hmm. So I either do consultancy or I do project management for, you know, whether it's global companies that are, looking to um, launch a new product or put a new brand out there or need some help with a particular project or launch. Mm-hmm. And then I also work with some startups and entrepreneurs on, on building out their brand and their business, you know, helping them write a business and brand strategy and getting started and, you know, potentially doing it from the road, whether it's, you know, it's a global business or a local business and, and how that works and how it works in different regions and countries and all that type of thing. So, yeah, it's great, a really broad range of, of client work. Yeah, wonderful. Great diversity. Um, I guess, you know, as we've sort of touched on, I mean, the digital nomad or the digital nomad, sorry, have been on the rise for me, and many young Australians with a laptop have been popping up in all sorts of places, you know, mm. both nationally now here, um, but also all over the world simply because they can. Mm. Um, what advice would you offer for people who are, I guess, navigating that lifestyle and especially in the midst of or post-pandemic? Yeah, sure. It's funny because when I was 21, it was called backpacking and now it's called digital nomading because you've got a <laughs> yeah. you've got a laptop. So I think there's two different types of people there. There are, there are the people that are looking to make it their lifestyle and there's the people that are yeah. looking to go on a holiday. And you can approach both of those things very differently. Um, and, you know, it all depends on visas and how long you want to be away for and what type of work you're doing. But, you know, there's so much mm-hmm. work that you can do online now that absolutely you can pop yourself in a desert location or a beach location and still work with clients or still work on your website or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think my biggest bit of advice kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with being mindful about where you're turning up as a, mm-hmm. as a nomadic worker. Are you um, expecting a lot from where you are? You know, finding accommodation, um, 
you know, finding local community to get involved with, um, giving back to the community that you're in and not just hanging out with the other expats, mm-hmm. I think is a really big thing. Um, you know, getting in and amongst and contribute to the community that you're being a part of. And I think um, post-pandemic, I hope um, the digital nomad community, because it is quite a massive community actually, you yeah. know, there's all sorts of Facebook groups and and forums and all sorts of things that you can jump on online to, to learn about the you know, what's happening in the world. And it is a, a bigger community than what people realise. But I really hope that there's an empathy level going forward out of this um, out of this pandemic that it will, mm. um, that people will realise how lucky we are to be in countries that do have a great healthcare system and, um, you know, not take for granted our passport privileges, essentially. And um, as the community of digital nomads grows to do it responsibly, I guess. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. How far ahead are you planning now? I mean, how, do you look do you look forward on a three month or a one year, five year plan? I've been, as a rule, looking at three months. It's really funny. I, I yeah. just feel like every three months the situation is changing, and actually month to month it's changing at the moment. And um, yeah, so for me, um, home for now is Melbourne, and yeah. I don't um, have any plans to move from here for a while. And obviously, our borders are still closed. Um, Mm -hmm. and Europe's in a pretty bad way with COVID. So uh, I'm not planning on being anywhere for a long time. Um, So, yeah, for me, I've I've done a couple of things. So I'm I'm shutting down the showroom this weekend, which frees me up a little bit. So I'm planning on um, getting up to see some friends in Sydney that I haven't seen for a very long time. Um, hitting the road and doing some local travel, but I've also um, started trying to do some courses to upskill as well. So I'm uh, currently working my way through a few modules on my business coaching certification to add to my brand consulting. So really focusing in on, I guess, being able to help other people that are wanting to start their remote lifestyle or their their brand or their business. And, and I guess getting into that, because I think that opens up um, a community of people that I love being involved with, for one thing. Yeah. And, you know, being able to talk about these projects and and um, helping other people get their next life started. You know, we've all been through such a transformation in the last year, work, oh, life, incredible. travel, everything. And I think now yeah. is the time that a lot of people are going to be um, launching into the next phase. So for me, yeah. um, that feels like a really nice transition into my next life bit. And Yeah, wonderful. Whether wonderful. it's three months or a year, I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but yeah. for now it's here. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, we've got a lot of people locally here who um, haven't done the the global nomad but have certainly interested in the digital nomad star, um, style of life, a way of life, sorry, um, here within Australia because we are incredibly fortunate with the freedoms that we have to move mm-hmm. around um, and we're seeing some wonderful entrepreneur um, ventures and brands starting to emerge. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how you can contribute to that um, community, Absolutely. I'm sure. Yeah, it would be wonderful. There's so many great ideas out there. I think everyone's had their, their lockdown project that's, that's ready yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> to be bought into the world. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Bridget, you've been really generous with your time and what we'd like to do is to close out with five um, quick questions, um, which we do with all of our podcast guests. Um, It's simply a word or phrase that comes to mind with the statements that I've got. And so the first one is, living overseas opened my eyes to? For me, every time it's how lucky we are to live in Australia. Coming home, as much as I adore my life overseas, coming home to Australia, the security we have, our safety, our health, our beautiful country. Yeah, we're very fortunate. Yeah, we are fortunate indeed. Expats are good for? Spontaneous adventures. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think we grab it, you know, with both hands when we can. Um, the best thing I have discovered since arriving home? 
Oh, it's so interesting. We've been in lockdown for so much of last year. I just discovered all of Melbourne's parks. (laughs) I've never spent so much time in Melbourne's parks before, but it's been delightful. (laughs) Yeah. I think that most of us have walked more than we've ever walked in our lives. Absolutely. (laughs) We've got some beautiful outdoor green spaces here that um, I would never have explored as much as I would have if, if I wasn't locked down. Yeah, wonderful. The first thing I'd encourage a new repat to do is? Um, yeah, I think it's um, coming home just to, I guess, keep up that curiosity and to treat home the same way that you treat a new place, you know, find new things to do, find new friends to hang out with, like-minded people and keep that traveller lifestyle and mindset going when you get home. Yeah, the inquisitiveness, it's, it's yeah. definitely something that's important. Yeah. A word, song or quote that best describes my time overseas is? Yeah, so there's this, there's a roomy quote actually that kicks around in um, personal development circles and it's what you seek is seeking you and I think my time overseas and coming home, that's a really big one. You, what you put out into the yeah. world comes back at you and so just being really yeah. intentional about where you're going and why and the people that you're hanging around, you'll find the right people. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. I think that's a lovely note to end on. Um, Thanks so much, Bridget. I've really enjoyed our chat today. Thanks, Margo. Me too. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review, share it with your friends and family, and subscribe for future episodes. For more information on our guests, please head to our website, insyncnetworkgroup.com, where you can check out the show notes and also find more information about our fabulous community and membership offerings.